All right, everybody. I'm Matt Love. It is Ask Me Anything. I am here with J.D. Greer. And uh, I kind of teased it, and J.D. teased it a little bit last week, but we have, I guess, a follow-up sequel-ish to the question we did last week. So last week we were talking about what happens in the end times, what does that look like. Question for this week, um, J.D., is kind of a, a more present question around that same angle and direction. So what does it look like? to live ready for Jesus' return. Yeah, well, last time we just kind of laid out the different ways that people approach the questions of the end times and explained some reasons why I lean where I um, lean. But, um, you know, I said the big point that we can all be agreed on is that eternity is real and that Jesus' return is imminent. We should live in light of that. And it's supposed to affect how we see literally everything. So what I wanted to do in this episode is I want to give you four things that will change in you, in your life, if you're living in a state of readiness for Jesus' return. And I would think that these are things that my amillennial and postmillennial brothers and sisters, as well as my pre-trib brothers and sisters and everybody in between could all agree on. These are four ways that his return should affect us. Um, so here's number one, spiritual alertness. Let me just ask yourself, how would you live differently today if you knew Jesus were coming back tonight? I talked about my own church when I was growing up and, you know, it's a little, it's funny to poke at it, you know, fun at it now and joke about our obsession with the rapture. But one thing that my church had that I think, again, that our generation is missing is the earnest expectation of Jesus's return. When's the last time you thought, I wonder if it's going to be today or tonight? But what if you knew that he was coming back today? Wouldn't it make you ask the question, am I ready? Am I, am I living today in a way that I'd be happy to see him tonight? When Jesus told the story of the the ten, you know, virgins with the lamps waiting on the the bridegroom, five of them weren't ready. Five of them were. For both of them, the groom came, you know, like a thief in the night. They weren't expecting him. Um, and that's the point is that we live as if Jesus might be coming back today. I can't remember who said it first, but we ought to live like Jesus died yesterday, rose today, and then was coming back tomorrow. And let me just say to our Ask Me Anything listeners, I mean, it, it genuinely could be today. In fact, for some, this could be your last chance to actually repent and turn to Jesus, receive him as Savior, or the last chance that you have to share the gospel with a a friend or a loved one. And that leads me to number two, mission urgency. First one was spiritual alertness. Second one is, is, is mission urgency. If you know the world has an end, and it could be soon, wouldn't that rearrange your priorities? You may have heard the image before of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. If you knew, you know, that it had already hit that iceberg and the captain has told you it's just a matter of minutes before this whole thing is underwater and everybody's either going to be saved or lost. If you were taking time to make sure all the deck chairs were lined up, it would seem like a pretty foolish venture. Scripture tells us we're all on a kind of Titanic. And that, that means that we ought to rethink the priorities of what we're accomplishing in life. It doesn't mean that, you know, we should never play or go on vacation or have hobbies or possessions, but but many of us live as if eternity is not real. What does that mean for for what kind of possessions you attempt to have? Um, a bucket list. You know, what, does a bucket list make sense for a Christian if you're going to heaven, an eternity that has everything that you missed out on earth, a better version of it? I often tell our church that the only thing that should really be on your bucket list is, is sharing the gospel, because that's the one thing you can't do in heaven that you can do right here is share the gospel with specific people. There's a little bracelet that got really popular for a while. You know, it was hashtag YOLO, and it stood for you only live once. A friend of mine says, Christians should wear one that says YALF, you actually live forever. Um, that Christians don't think about getting all they can in, in this life right now. They think about um, eternity, and, and the second coming gives you that sense of mission urgency. 
And listen, I want to emphasize, I, I'm not a guy who believes that God never wants us to have a good time, never gives us things to enjoy, or that he's not glorified by our, our secular work, like that's a, a waste of time. But I also know that life is painfully short. And when my master returns, I want to have invested my talents to the fullest for his kingdom. I don't want to be found sitting on them, buried, uh, having buried them in the dirt and not having used them for the purposes for which he gave them to me. And so for me, if it's a, a talent to preach and teach, I want to use that for you. If, if he's given you possessions or if he's given you relationships or skills, use those for his kingdom. And there's nothing wrong with a little rest and relaxation or hobbies or having nice stuff. But for many of us, we work just so we can vacation or just so we can have these hobbies or these possessions. And um, that's the end game in our work is to be able to have possessions and go on vacations. But a disciple of Jesus who is aware of the imminence of the second coming, he or she will take occasional vacations so that they can work more and better and harder for Jesus' kingdom. So it's a good question for you to consider. Are you investing the resources of your life, your time, your treasure, and your talents with um, the expectation of his return? So here's number three. The first one was spiritual alertness. The second one was mission urgency. The third one is hope and suffering. Jesus' return promises us that pain and suffering won't last forever, that all pain is temporary. There's a Christian philosopher named Cornelius Plantinga who has a a great statement I, I have written down in my notes. He says, the second coming of Jesus Christ is good news for people whose lives are filled with bad news. If you're a slave in Pharaoh's Egypt or in the United States in the early 19th century, if you're an Israelite exiled in Babylon or a Kosovar exiled in Albania, if you're a woman living in a culture where when your husband gets mad at you, he can lock you up in a closet or threaten to have his buddies come and rape you, then you don't yawn when somebody mentions the return of Jesus Christ. You live yearning for his return. I might add, if your son just died of cancer or if your marriage just dissolved, if you're lonely, if your body is racked with some kind of chronic pain, Scripture says, lift your eyes. This doesn't last forever. It could be over tonight. God will sustain you for as long as he needs to, but it, it's going to be over soon. If your life just hadn't turned out the way that you, you, you always thought it would, then you think, well, I never got married and I should have been. I never was able to be financially secure and comfortable. The promise of the second coming shows us that the good old days, the, good, the real good old days, they're always ahead of us. And we can endure this brief struggle, this veil of tears we call life because eternity is real. Um, it's long and it's not very far away. And that leads me to number four, the power to forgive. I want to commend to you Tim Keller's excellent new little book called Forgive. He points out that believing in, in the return of Jesus gives you the power to forgive. As a pastor, I've seen people who really struggle with bitterness that were helped by grasping Jesus' imminent return, how close the immense expanse of eternity is. You see, here's what happens. When somebody wrongs you, everything in you cries out for justice. And so we run. What we do is we run to the judgment seat of the world and we, we hop on that judgment seat. We know what that person deserves and we want to help them get it. And so we're like, go, God, give it to them. I want to be God's advisor telling them where and how to administer justice. I want to make sure the courts um, in our country are, are giving perfect justice. And I find a, you know, a release through vengeance shows where maybe the court system failed them or the government can't, didn't come through for them. But Batman, Batman is here and he's ready to you know, to settle the scores. That's what we want for. But here's the thing. Perfect justice never happens this side of eternity. And we can work for it. We can pray for it. We can long for it. Um, but ultimately, it's always going to leave us dissatisfied. What Scripture promises us is that there's a judgment seat coming, and it's coming soon, and that will settle all those scores. And that gives me the ability to be able to, to live with injustice without it creating bitterness in me. 
uh, you know, there was a guy named Miroslav Volf, who's um, a lot of his family was killed in the Croatian genocide. And he talked about how he, for many years, he heard from American liberals, from Western liberals, that if you believed in a God of vengeance, that that would make you a vengeful person. He said, the only people who can say that are American liberals who've never actually gone through any kind of suffering, unjust suffering, like any real suffering. He said, when you watch your own family murdered, everything in you rages for for vengeance. He said, the only way you can keep it from, from absolutely consuming your soul is to believe that there's a God who ensures that one day it will happen. He said, and once I let God take the load of the, the necessity for vengeance, he said, then I quit having to carry it and the poison left my soul. You see, we were not meant for the throne of judgment. It's just too big for us. It distorts us as a person when we carry around this kind of duty to, to give vengeance out. Um, it's almost like that ring in the Lord of the Rings, you know, where, where, where you hold it and it feels right to hold it, but the bitterness just destroys you. I mean, you. You've probably seen how bitterness destroyed somebody. Somebody's mad at somebody else and it colors their whole disposition toward that person where everything that person does becomes tarnished. Or maybe they even begin to be prejudiced toward whole groups of people that that person represents. You got a, a woman that's angry at her husband who thinks all men are bad or vice versa. You got somebody who suffers injustice at the hands of one person in a particular people group and thinks that everybody in that people group is now reflected by that one person. Um, that's, just, that's a poison that comes when we take the duty of vengeance onto ourselves. We were not meant to sit on that throne. And the doctrine of the second coming helps us stay off of it because we know that not only is he coming back, he will come back and bring justice. And Jesus says he will do it soon. And so I can endure injustice for the time being because I know soon and very soon he's going to set things right. So those are the four things I would say that should change in your life if you understand what the Bible teaches. Again, the most talked about doctrine in the Bible. If you understand it, it'll give you spiritual alertness, mission urgency, hope and suffering, and it'll give you the power to forgive. So let me wrap up this two-part series by emphasizing again... The one thing in all of our discussions, and I hope you'll press into the previous podcast, the different options, but the one thing that we have to agree on is that we ought to be expecting the return of Jesus anytime, and we ought to live like it is today and expecting that it might be today. I love the words of Charles Spurgeon, and I'll close with those. The hour of his appearing is not revealed in order that we may always stand on tiptoe, expecting it to be today. All right, everybody. Um, I hope that was helpful to you. These last two, I hope these last two together maybe give you some good context for thinking about this issue. And and um, and JD, thank you so much again for just uh, processing that with us and giving us your thoughts. Um, hope it, it's encouraging to all of you guys out there that are listening. I'm going to do real quick. I'm going to do the trifecta. All of the things we always talk about at the end of the podcast real quick, all at once. Follow JD on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you want to hear from him consistently. Go leave a review and a rating on this podcast so other people can hear about it. It takes two seconds, helps a ton. If you like the podcast, other people will as well. And then, as always, jdgreer.com is the place for more resources, books, articles, podcasts, and all sorts of other good stuff from Pastor JD. If you've never been to jdgreer.com and you like this podcast, I mean, type it in. What else are you going to do right now? Type in jdgreer.com, see what's going on, and uh, I bet there's some stuff on there that you're going to be really excited about. So go do that as we wrap up, and we will see you next time on Ask Me Anything.